0: You're listening to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, episode 160. Welcome to the Eyes on Conservation podcast. I'm your host, Serena Simons, and I try to bring you engaging stories that meet at the intersection of social justice and the environment. And on today's episode of the show, I interview a woman who has inspired me and many people like me to embrace our diversity in outdoor spaces and find community, even when it's not always easy. Her name is Rue Map, and she's the CEO and founder of Outdoor Afro, a not-for-profit organization founded in Oakland, California. They are at the forefront of celebrating and inspiring african-american connections in nature and outdoor afro represents a network across 30 states challenging and changing representation in the outdoors and connecting thousands of people to outdoor experiences i really hope you enjoy this episode of the show can you maybe just kind of introduce yourself and talk a bit about your background and kind of how you came to start the organization that we're going to be talking about, which is Outdoor Afro.
1: Yeah. Outdoor Afro was born um, out of a lifetime of experiences connecting to nature with my family, with my community, being involved with different clubs and organizations over the years and and also a love of technology. I was born and raised in Oakland, California. And, um, you know, being comfortable using computer technology at a young age was you know something that we were just taking for granted pretty much as as we're so close to silicon valley and and influenced by tech culture and then my family also had a ranch up in northern california in lake county where you know i was able to just really i mean not only just you know enjoy outdoor recreation but to also Understand the importance of getting away from urban centers and and the impact that it had on other people so we constantly convene people and entertained in that space and and it was really a a wonderful uh, Incubation of community and nature that I was able to Just make a part of my understanding of how to connect with the outdoors from a really young age so as I grew up, I just I wanted to continue to pursue outdoor activities, and I found that the further out I got, I was usually the only one, the only mm. African American, and only African American female, and that you know put me in a lot of different awkward situations, quite frankly, and um, and I had to challenge people's assumptions about you know my interests and abilities all the time, and it wasn't until 2009 when I was thinking about going to grad school that I had this, this aha moment when a mentor asked me a really important question. She said, you know, she asked me, she's like, if time and money were not an issue, what would you be doing? And I just opened my mouth and my life fell out. I said, I'd probably start a website to reconnect African Americans to the outdoors Because I knew we had a connection, but it wasn't a connection that we were seeing in an everyday representation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So starting with our blog, um, it was just a social media conversation when social media was really new and young and not everybody was on it. And there was a lot of concern in the environmental fields that being in front of a screen is going to be... uh, you know, co- would compete with people actually going outside, and I think that that part of that is true. But what we were talking about with Outdoor Afro on social media was not about you know replacing the screen with nature but using the screen as an embedded representation, uh, an invitation to get outside by showing. And showcasing black people all over the country, mm-hmm. doing all kinds of things in nature. So that evolved to where we are today, where we're no longer just a, a blog. We are a national not-for-profit organization with with about 80 people who we've trained to help connect people in their communities to the outdoors and our network has got about 34,000 people in it and we're in about 30 states so from that conversation from that moment of revelation you know we've evolved into um, you know what I do full-time professionally but also a movement in its own right and it's just been really great to see how the conversation has continued to expand and, uh, and, and reach more and more people through, you know, many, many other affinity organizations like Outdoor Afro. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I think that the social media thing is is so huge, because so many people, especially young people are using it these days. And Mm -hmm. something that I wish that I had when I was growing up, you know, as a biracial half black woman, like I never saw representation of, um, black women in the outdoors, um, black women doing all these things that I was interested in. You know, I was, I've always been interested in the outdoors, but I never had people to look up to or, or people that looked like me that were doing the things that I wanted to do. And, you know, if I had social media growing up, you know, um, when, when I was a kid, I think that would be so huge just to see, you know, other, other black folks, other black women doing all of these things and, 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 and being represented in these spaces and um yeah i i just think that that is so amazing and important and you didn't want to replace the screen and just kind of advocate to get get away from social media but you used it as a tool and i think it's really evolved that way Yeah, and it's just it's so amazing
1: yeah it's really i mean it, it it has evolved to places that i hadn't even there's you know there's two stories here one is the story of Pursuing my dream and and you know giving myself over to this this cause and you know professionalizing it um, so that I could sustain myself and live in the Bay Area and 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 have you know social impact at the same time and and then there's the actual the get the getting the people out and one of the things that has evolved in our work is that it's no more just about uh, getting people outside it's also about leadership mm-hmm. and lifting up leadership because what we, you know, see time and again is the model that has, I feel, harmed the conservation movement of that hoods to woods, like we're going to go and take the, Mm -hmm. you know, poor, low income, you know, black and brown kids, you know, to uh, remote nature experience and we'll all feel good about ourselves afterwards. Um, But the reality is, is that black people have always had a connection to nature mm-hmm. we do nature sometimes differently um because there have been historic uh constraints mm-hmm. about where we actually could go what we actually could do when I mean, we for instance have you know a not too distant past the reality that we black people couldn't go to public pools and uh and as a result you know we have this huge discrepancy in the number of black people who actually can swim, which has resulted in, you know, a a public health crisis, quite frankly, of high um, numbers of African-Americans who drown each year because they don't know how to swim. And so, you know, so there's, there are some real barriers that have existed. And there's also, you know, this notion of what leisure time looks like, like not everybody has, we're not, we don't all have the same capacities to get away from it all, mm-hmm. right? You may have a transportation barrier. You may um, have not been historically able to go to a particular place be- because of some of the constraints that I mentioned before, or it's just not what your family did. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what I find is, is that black people do recreate in great numbers, close to home. Um, for when you look at the reality of of the schedule of busy working families, you know people have so much on their plate, especially on weekends. You're, you know, taking kids to practices. You're going to to participate in um, other civic uh, opportunities or church, or you're taking care of um, family members, and so there's not a lot of time. Uh, on you know in the lives of busy working families to just take off so that's one of the things that we set out to do with outdoor afro is to really live inside of the the real experience of black people and help bring outdoor activities down to earth and and totally make them accessible Mm -hmm. welcoming and then what we hope to do is to help people in their own homes just, just to become those leaders again in the outdoors. Like mm-hmm. a lot of us, got our, you know, our knowledge, our our experiences through parents, grandparents, and so what we really hope to do is to help restore that outdoor leadership back to the home, and to really help everyday folks find their their leadership, um, and that it's going to look different depending on who you are, where you live, um, what you have access to. Um, but to really kind of get this sense of outdoors is something other people do um, off of, you know, out of our consciousness mm-hmm. and and elevate the way that people are getting outside and and celebrating how people are getting outside so that we're not having this this deficit um, based conversation.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's a, a lot to unpack And everything you just said, I want to start by just kind of diving into a little bit more heavily into the context of why um, black folks historically feel excluded from outdoor recreation in in the sense of like national parks, visiting national parks and um, just going into the woods and um, experiencing you know, camping or hiking or, or, or anything like that. And I think there's, there's a nostalgia that's associated with, you know, something like camping or hiking. And I think it resonates with a lot of, of, of white folks because it's just kind of like that, that's, you know, let, let's go back to a simpler time, that mentality. But for black folks who didn't grow up camping, like you were saying, like they didn't have their parents growing up camping, didn't have their grandparents growing up camping because of, you know, like segregation and, and Jim Crow, these really awful, exclusionary practices. There's there's not the same kind of nostalgia for the outdoors and the outdoors were they have they have a lot of context to being unsafe. Well yeah, I mean this is I mean, let let's just you know,
1: make it plain. Black people were lynched. Right. And and trees are not, you know, necessarily like something to hug. Right. Um and so you know, you got the lyrics of Billy Holiday's Strange Fruit that, you know, um that paint that picture of a not too distant America where, you know, black people were not safe in the woods and, and there's, you know, uh, land ownership, you know, loss of, of African-American families. And, and there's, you know, the reality that it was so, t- it was so terrorizing in certain places in, in the country that people would sometimes leave in the night and, 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 in search of the warmth of those other suns um, and found themselves in Chicago and New York and and here in Oakland um, to, to get away from all of that. And mm-hmm. so it's not, it's not necessarily seen as progress uh, when you talk about people who are trying to turn away from, you know, a, a terrorizing past. And so, but even with that, we still prevailed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still had those beaches that may have been segregated but there were beaches that we could we could go to and recreate in there were still you know clubs for instance that people created to and and lodges that people created so that folks could still persist and, and do activities like skiing in community. Um, there have been historic camps um, that have been going on for ages. So there's even though we didn't have necessarily the public welcoming in, in, in those places in nature, we still persisted. And I think that overcoming t- testimony is, is something I want to you know also lift up at the same time recognizing that, there is much healing and atonement that has to occur for us to have a, have our fullest sense of citizenship in this country mm-hmm. um, that embraces that embraces our, our our outdoors all over.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, as much as I I want to say things have changed, you know, I I live in the Sierra Nevada, which is a pretty white area and i was working um in joshua tree national park uh and that surrounding community is also a pretty white scary area so you know now that i'm up here in the sierra nevada i don't feel as unsafe but it's definitely anytime i go hiking i'm the only black person on the trail anytime i go you know swim in the lake i'm the only black person swimming in the lake and i don't necessarily feel unsafe because of the color of my skin, but I do feel, um, you know, people looking at me funny or just not expecting to see somebody like me doing these things. So I, I I think there's still, you know, as you talk about, like the whole point of outdoor Afro is to make outdoor spaces more welcoming and create more, uh, leadership and, and, and just make that in, in just the public consciousness that yes, black people, belong in natural Mm -hmm. and do recreate and belong in natural spaces and and do hike and do ski and do all of these things and that they should feel welcome doing that
1: well i think one of the reasons why you know our work has been effective is that we are we recognize that we like black people like to to be in community and so we don't deny ourselves that in nature so for instance You know, you can be doing that hike, you know, as part of the Outdoor Afro community with, you know, maybe 10 or 15 or 20 other people. And when people are able to go out with others, they um, it it restores a sense of confidence that, okay, I can do this. I'm not the only one. I don't have to be the best at it. I don't have to have the most expensive gear or I won't be judged because Mm -hmm. I don't have expensive gear. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And so all of those things are so important. To help people feel that confidence. And I do find again that people do uh, recreate close to home. So when you get in areas like the Sierra or uh, Joshua Tree or any remote wild, you know, if there are not that many black people living around that place, then it's not a big surprise, you know, aha moment that we're not seeing black people recreating those places. Going back to people's time and definition of leisure, you know, if you've never been to a place, you're not necessarily going to invest eight hours round trip in a car mm-hmm. to go someplace that, you know, mm-hmm. you, you have no idea what the amenities are. And, and the parks have not done a, as good of a job as they could to let people know about yeah. all the assets yeah. that are available. Like how many California state parks are there that people can visit and, and how affordable it is and how beautiful it is. And so I just think we have, you know, kind of a, a moment Uh, today to do a better job of inviting people and letting people know what's available. So it's not just the insiders, you know, who know Mm -hmm. what day to call, you know, to reserve their favorite campsite Mm -hmm. Um, and, 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 and also helping people to feel comfortable and and represented in those places um, is, is equally important. So that's, that that has become another aspect of my work is the, the field building Mm -hmm. and, and helping to elevate these opportunities for more people to enjoy,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, and something that I love about what you just said when you're talking about um, the outdoor Afro leadership, uh, and and finding community in people that are interested in being outside. And not Mm -hmm. feeling judged for, say, like your, like your gear, what you're talking about, because to me, there's so much exclusivity that comes with quote unquote being outdoorsy, you know, like Mm -hmm, you have to have mm -hmm. all of these outdoor gear, you know, like Patagonia, I call it Patagucci, like it's just Mm -hmm. like, it's so expensive to be outdoorsy in the traditional sense, which is like the white sense, you know, like how you see it being represented on social media and online everywhere it's 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 a blonde uh thin white woman outdoors in all this fancy gear and that's the image that we have of what it means to be outdoorsy and like i love that outdoor afro is saying like, no like you know, that's, that's fine. Like, that's one way to do it. But you know, there's there are other ways to be outdoorsy, and you don't have to have all that gear. And there are different ways to be outdoorsy, different colors of what that means. Like, it just I, I think, I think that that is something that I struggle with a lot, you know, because I live in such a white area and, yeah. you know, all the people up here that I know recreate and go backpacking and stuff, it's, it's just, it's it feels very exclusive, especially like um, when I was living down south in Joshua Tree, you know, it was a climber culture and climbing is, yeah. is another thing that's really expensive and really white, you know, so like yeah. um, you know, coalitions like Brothers of Climbing and um, like Flash Foxy's just kind of changing the game on in the yeah. climbing World, but just like I love so much that you wanted to create a space that was free of judgment, and I know so many people would and do respond to that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been. I mean, it's it's certainly so inspirational for me to see time and again, like how people have found their 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 people. Like Mm -hmm. I have found. All the other only ones, you know, and when you put all the only ones together, we're actually quite numerous mm-hmm. and we come from so many different backgrounds and professions and we have a variety of economic um, levels represented, age represented and it's just a beautiful thing to see these leaders, you know, who are um, anywhere between, you know, 22 and over 60, you um, be able to get their whole life, um, in outdoor Afro and their own families' lives have been transformed in many cases. And, you know, I just, you know, I can't emphasize enough that, you know, the way that black people choose to recreate, you know, is going to look different and that's okay. You know, because dangling off the side of the mountain is not necessarily what some people might consider adventure, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, black people live with a lot of adrenaline already, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's a luxury to be able to invite adrenaline into your life, yes, in a very deliberate, controlled way, you know, that uh, you know certain hiking experience, definitely climbing and other um, human-powered sports deliver. And so for some people, they're like, you know, I've been, you know, dealing with the man all week, Mm -hmm. you know, and I (laughs) want to just chill on the weekend. I don't want to even see people outside, you know, outside of my family. I mean, I know like I I have uh, a partner who works super hard on the week during the week and on the weekends, he just wants to chill and maybe he wants to do something outside, but it's going to be more around decompression, relaxing, you know, hanging out, you know, with friends, grilling, you know, maybe a leisurely hike, you know, Um, and maybe every, you know, four months or so, something more adventurous in the outdoors. But, you know, on the weekends, you know, for people who are busy, who have, you know, lots of time constraints um, anyway, and who are also, trying to find a release from the the strain of 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 living uh in in the united states Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as african americans you know we 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 have to you know get the minds and hearts of of what's really valuable to people and and so when someone comes up to me and they say that oh you know 0.0001 percent of all visitors to yosemite were black that's a problem i'm like well it depends, you know, how you look at it. I mean, Yosemite's a really hard place to go to, mm-hmm. even when you know what to do. And um, and there are not that many black people who live in that area, you know. And so we have to, you know, kind of deconstruct what we think the problem is and and, and really look at what people are already doing and ask people what they want to be doing mm-hmm. um, as a starting place versus more black people need to
0: hike. I yeah, I don't know. If I've signed up for that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, basically doing anything while black is like such a struggle, you know, going to the grocery store while black, walking Mm -hmm. down the street while black, you know, going to a coffee shop with your friend while black, like Mm -hmm. literally Mm -hmm. doing anything while black. Um, it's that, that pressure that's on black folks constantly that fight or flight like am I going to get arrested is something bad going to happen to me am I going to get home safe is my kid going to get home safe all of all the time literally all the time in their daily lives like every day um that's something that I really struggle explaining to to my white friends like when I explain how how it feels to be the only person of color working in my very white environmental field up here. And the only black person that I might see, uh, is like once a month in town, you know, it's just like, and, and it's hard for me to explain like why that affects me so much and how, how aware I am, you know, when I walk into a meeting of, you know, 30 people, um, all dedicated to the environment, which is great. Um, but, I'm the only person of color, you know, like it's just, it's something that I, I recognize and I realize, and I try to like move forward with my day, but you know, I'm dealing with all these microaggressions outside yeah. of work and in work. And y- you know, sometimes it's just, it wears on you. And as yeah. much as I am an out, quote unquote outdoorsy person you know sometimes it's just like you know what i need to stay inside i don't want to deal with people today i had a really hard week and you know that that is something that is is absolutely valid and i experienced that it's so real and it's it's hard for me to explain that to white folks like i i just i don't know like how do we how, how do we bridge that conversation because or or should we be trying to you know, like, as you were saying, like, should we like, what is the solution? Should we be trying to get more black folks visiting national national parks? Like, what is the solution? And how do we how do we explain to white folks that um, this is a this is a a real thing that we're experiencing? And we sh- we shouldn't be judged either way, like whether we choose to recreate outside or whether we don't like, I, I don't know, like, what is the solution there?
1: Well, I think that's a, you know, that's a holy grail question <laughs> that everybody's trying to solve for right now, because everyone's really clamoring for diversity and inclusion and equity in the outdoors. I mean, it's just a huge topic and everybody wants to take a bite out of it. And for me, it, it change happens only at the speed of relationships and we're not going to be able to deliver, you know, the one, two, three step solution to solve it, um, in the absence of having relationships with people. And I think that's the thing we've been able to do with Africa over the years is to build a relationship that where people trust us. Hmm. They know that when they get outside with us, what it's going to be, you know, we've got, you know, thousands and thousands of people who've recreated with us. And, and, and that, that investment in getting to know people and to have leaders who who are leading in their own towns and say, say, you know what, come with me to Yosemite. I, I've got this figured out. Let, let, you know, you can't, that's not something that's easily duplicatable. Mm -hmm. And I think people, you know, they just want to open the door and say, come on in. And, and, and they're surprised when no one shows up, Mm -hmm. but people will show up. I feel if you get to know what their values are and you get to know what, you know, what's, what's important to them in real time. And, you know, for instance, we, you know, we started doing healing hikes um, because of, you know, all of what had been happening and continues to happen with police involved shootings with, you know, um, just, just, just our bodies continuing to be harmed Mm -hmm. with impunity and, and, and how to, how do we manage our feelings and our trauma Around that, and so Outdoor Afro stepped in to do healing hikes to basically hold space in nature, in 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 the landscape that can can uh, absorb, you know, all all that we were feeling, and that's, you know, that's something African Americans have always done. We've always known we could lay down our burdens down by the riverside. Mm-hmm. Nature has always been there for us to, as a place of worship, as a place to grow our food um, as a place for us to find retreat. And so, you know, we've just been more deliberate about that, but we, we arrived there by having a trusted, um, network of, of partners and, and leaders and participants to be able to make that happen. You know, we couldn't just come out of the blue, um, and say, we're going to do a healing hike and expect the people who are going to show up. That was able to happen because we have had the relationships and the credibility and so I just, I feel like if people want to do differently, the, you know, the, it may mean that they have to be something different, you know, cause Alderafford has never had a diversity problem. Um, <laughs> and it's certainly, and it's certainly not ours to solve for others because, yeah. you, you know, I feel like if people really want to have what they say they want to have, then they would do, do different mm-hmm. things. And mm-hmm. some of those things require radical change mm-hmm. um and rigorous honesty and you know if and and, and if you're a racist then you gotta deal with that, <laughs> that mm-hmm. like that's your problem <laughs> you know and yeah. no and no diversity and no diversity consultant is going right. to be able to help you right. until and, you deal with that right
0: and that shouldn't be the responsibility of Black and brown folks to fix racism, no. in my opinion, like no, that should be like their own community putting in the work for their own community. Like white Absolutely. folks need to be helping their own <laughs> their own communities with the problem of racism. Like they need yep. to be putting in the work. So, like, what what is yeah. an example that you can think of where like white folks can put in the work to um, encourage more inclusivity and make folks feel safer and 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 everything that we just discussed.
1: Yeah. We'll support the work of outdoor Afro and others like outdoor Afro in a way that that, that doesn't necessarily center you. Right. Like, I feel like people want to like help solve the problem and like be all in the middle and visible in it. And, and, and so I think, I think by supporting the good work that's happening around the country in, in whatever ways you can and, and, and that are desired, you know, like, for instance, I get we get calls like every day for people who want to partner with us. But it's usually them wanting to kind of push their own agenda. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's it's a, it's important to ask people for what they need. You know, don't assume that, you know, if, if it's a black or brown affinity organization that they're going to need your help mm-hmm. um, to lead a trip or or to lend some specific expertise, because what we find is, is that, you know, we can absolutely partner in a kind of an episodic way with, with like outfitters, for instance, but it's, it's not necessarily, um, it's not necessarily about people inserting themselves in the middle of, uh, organizations that, that, um, will make their, their support more effective. Mm -hmm. You know, donations are amazing, of course, um, helping to spread the word, ha- having, ha- giving us the opportunity to tell our story, um, sharing power and privilege can be so helpful. Um, so if you have a platform that you have because you've been given a platform through, you know, that, that's unearned, like through your job or through, um, through wealth, through um, media, um, sharing that. And helping helping organizations like Outdoor Afro to tell our story um, can be a really powerful way to to share, um, you know, share in, in the opportunity and help us to grow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess I just, I mean, we talked a little bit about your background and, and growing up in outdoor spaces and feeling like the only one and wanting to find, you know, others that were the only ones and which I think is really beautiful um I guess my just on a very simple level like in in your own words like why is diversity and inclusion in the outdoors so important and so necessary
1: well I mean I think you know like with any environment that's diverse like we think about nature for instance you know if you have if you're just if you have only one kind of tree or, one, or growing one tr- kind of vegetable, you know, that's that's not a strong and resilient situation, um, more vulnerable to disease, more vulnerable to pests and other threats. And so like in nature, you know, when you have diversity, you're actually stronger. You're actually, you know, more resilient to to, to things that might cause harm it increases the likelihood of a symbiotic relationship um it's just it's just healthier for our humanity to live in a way that sustains us um through our relationships and understanding of other with other people mm-hmm. who don't necessarily look like us and it's not you know t- it's not a color by numbers thing you know i really am shooting for organic connections as mm-hmm. much as possible you know i don't i don't take to you know being thrown in a sandbox with someone who doesn't look like me and be be told to play mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I i think that's not a uh, that's not that doesn't serve the purpose you what you really want in the, in the end is for people to really have a deeper appreciation and understanding and 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 a real relationship mm-hmm. uh and again i you can't emphasize enough that that kind of change only happens at the speed of relationships and, and we've got to be willing to be bold and to link arms with, with people and, and be in it for the long haul. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, it's not going to happen, you know, from one, you know, um, you know, one, one transactional event, you know, it's going to be a series of levers and pulleys and PR and policy and, um, you know, and, and, and everyday folks, you know, who are going to help bring about this change.
0: Yeah. And I, I just think I want to see more black folks in the outdoor. I mean, on, on like a really selfish level, like I want to see more black people out in the outdoors. Like I want to see more people that look like me in the outdoors, but like, it's a lot to ask for black, you know what I mean? Like if you, if you just having a black body and putting your body in these spaces is It's like it's kind of like a political statement. It's been so ingrained that black people don't belong in these spaces. By so that's I guess that's my problem with like the way a lot of uh, like organizations like national parks and, you know, just trying to get those numbers in. It's like you're 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 trying to encourage black folks and brown folks to come to your park because, you know, you have a huge diversity problem And when you're asking that, though, you're not like facilitating that relationship. Like, like you were saying, like with Outdoor Afro, you're building relationships. You're trying to make people feel comfortable. Like I can help you. I can, you know, like, like hold your hand through this process and make you feel welcome so that you can do that to the next person, to the next person, to the next person, and like create that, that whole chain of leadership. Um, That's right. So, like, I just feel like there, there are so many organizations that I see that are just like, Yeah. Like, you know, like we need the nut, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's a hard thing to ask. It's, it's a hard thing to expect. And it's a hard thing to expect to happen quickly. Like you were saying, like, yeah, at the speed of relationships. So like, what is something that organizations like National Park Service or other big government or nonprofit agencies, like, what is something that they're not doing that they should be doing to be building those relationships and gaining that the trust of the black community?
1: They have to show up where we are, you know. Um, you know who's getting it right? coca is getting it right. Mm. McDonald's is getting it right. You know, like I grew up, you know, watching black shows and there were black commercials with those brands, you know, peddling their wares to, to right where they knew we, we were going to be, whether it be watching Soul Train on a Saturday morning <laughs> or, you know the Cosby show, you know, so, you know, we have to go to where people are. And, and I think that nature and the outdoors has a PR problem. A lot of the people who are in positions of, of, um, leadership, they're not, you know, they're not business people necessarily. They're not marketing people necessarily. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're more inclined to be, um, educational education focused folks, you know, people who know interpretation, they know about wildlife, you know, and forest management, but they're not necessarily people who, you know, are, are, are able to, who are outside of that field doing other things. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that helped us. My background professionally was, you know, I worked at Morgan Stanley as an analyst. Then I opened a game store with my, um, my ex-husband. And so I had a lot of experience with being in business. And so I feel like, you know, the environmental field needs to think about its business and 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 take a page from the companies and organizations that are getting it right. Disneyland is getting it right. Cruise ships are getting it right. And and when you talk when you talk about those types of experiences, money's not an issue. There's there's tons of people in those experiences who are spending top dollar to, to, to go, um, and, and, and be a part of those experiences on, on their leisure time. Why? Because, you know, cruise ships and, and, you know, the whole, you know, Disney platform, they do a pretty good job of keeping their brands in front of people exactly at the places where people are Mm -hmm. and, and, and are committed to doing it over time. You know, you we may not think that those are great brands or great experiences personally. Your listeners might not, you know, but they don't have a diversity problem mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, you know, we've just we've got to really think more expansively about our work and 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 not assume that because we love the outdoors and we think nature is cool, that other people naturally will think the same thing right. because. We just have not done in this field a decent enough job to make it a part of people's everyday lives and make it appealing.
0: Being socially conscious is like trendy now, you know? And so I guess... I guess like having having those inclusive commercials or whatever is better than nothing. But I'm also a little bit suspicious, you know, like when I see something um, that a certain kind of outdoorsy type brand is putting out like a new campaign that they're putting out um, and it features, um, you know, like if it features women or it features minorities, uh, you know, I'm just like, well, are you only doing that because you understand that, you know, you're you've been excluding a a huge part of your market for a very long time and people are calling you out on it or is it because you actually want to, you know, like are you actually doing it because you want to be inclusive and want more people to wear your merchandise? Like, uh, like, I, I guess I just, (laughs) I'm really suspicious of that. Like, I just want more companies or I guess to see more like authentically that relationship being done, you know, like you're talking about showing up, like, yeah, I want more, I want more of those organizations and, you know, like, I, I just I just want them to show up. I want them to prove that they're not just in it for the campaign, for the hashtag, yeah. for the marketing, yeah. for the promo. Like I want them to actually put in the work. Like in and and invite um, people that are like you, like yourself, like being advocates for outdoor Afro and and being advocates for Black folks. And it's just like. I don't know what the solution is. <laughs> well,
1: well, I'll tell you a few things on that front. I think, you know, your question about authenticity, you know, if you, when you see the representation, is it coming from a, you know, a, a solid place or not? I think it's, it's absolutely coming from a market driven um, motivation. I mean, they're in the business to sell stuff. Okay. There's, it's just, that's just the way, what it is. However, there are companies um, now and who have been at this for a long time who see the imperative and live, live, live the imperative of, of diversity, starting with their own staff and their company. Mm-hmm. So RAI is one that I can absolutely say, and they've been a partner of, our, of Outdoor Afros from the beginning, they have absolutely made internal commitments. They hired a chief of diversity and inclusion. Who has done some pretty pioneering stuff on the inside of the organization, in addition to supporting organizations like mine, um, and have helped give us a platform to make our work more visible and open the door for us to have other partners as well in the outdoor retail space? And I'm also on the Outdoor Industry Association Board of Directors and can tell you that, you know, brands are getting this big aha moment. They're Mm -hmm. like, if we want to stay in business, you know, we have to look more like America. And, and, and I think all of these organizations, brands, everyone's having a similar, you know, a similar awareness that America is changing. It doesn't look like it did 50 years ago. And 50 years from now, it's going to be more brown, And unless these brands and and nonprofit organizations and and other environmental related platforms um, shift to look like America, then they're they're going to they're not going to be around. Um, So I I think that there's a little bit of both. There's there's a little bit of altruism, but there's also the the market reality that people face are facing and are trying to, to do something about it so they can stay stay viable. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that there are, you know, like I said, there are some brands who, you know, all the brands that we work with are ones that we feel not only do good business, but, um, you know, are just, they're, they're, they've got good people Mm -hmm. working there. Mm -hmm. And, and it's really important for us that we don't just partner with anyone, but we partner with, with, with people so that we can have a relationship, you know, not just, you know, like you said, not just a a hashtag or, or logo, but, but I really want to know what's under the hood in companies and and feel good that I can share those companies with others with the confidence that, that, uh, you know, that they're doing the right thing.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel like, uh, we've had a, a great conversation and, I've yeah. definitely learned learned a lot and I hope our listeners have learned a lot about Outdoor Afro and um, can find um, more information about it. And I guess we didn't touch on this actually. Like how does somebody go about um, becoming or becoming involved in the Outdoor Afro leadership program?
1: Yeah, well, we we will just go to OutdoorAfro.com and we've got a bunch of links and, and blogs and, and other resources to help you get started uh, if, if it's you know just finding your local network and joining your local network um, that's that's a good start because we want people to get familiarized with the community um, before um, you know taking on leadership mm-hmm. right away we want people you know to follow us of course on all of our social media so we're outdoor afro across all the platforms And that is another way to get to know who we are and, 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 and then that can help inform you about how you want to get involved as Mm -hmm. maybe a partner, as a donor, as someone who wants to participate on trips or even become an outdoor Afro volunteer leader. Again, you know, it's, it goes back to relationships and we we're providing, you know, hopefully a lot of content out there to help you get to know us and, and, and help you figure out how you want to be involved. And, we welcome everyone to participate with Outdoor Afro. We're, you know, clearly a focused community, but not a, not a, a separating or, or exclusive community. You know, I love to say that you don't have to have an Afro
0: <laughs> to be a part of
1: Outdoor Afro. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, because this, this work at the end of the day is a love story. Mm-hmm. And um, the vibe is always great with Outdoor Afro. And we want you to join
0: us. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you so much, Rue, uh, for this Thank you. interview. I had such a great time talking to you and learned a lot. And um, Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, it's it, it is a little bit for me just kind of like a... Uh, I was just being a, just a little bit starstruck because you are somebody that I definitely uh, admire and um, you know as, uh, as a fellow black woman and um, just an en- environmental advocate and social justice advocate like you are doing amazing work and thank you so much for everything that you've done so far for our community and beyond
1: well thank you it's truly <laughs> my pleasure and I hope you we can find a way to stay in touch
0: absolutely <laughs> So that was my interview with Rue Mapp, founder and CEO of Outdoor Afro. If you'd like to learn more information about Outdoor Afro and support the awesome and necessary work that Rue and her colleagues are doing, go to outdoorafro.com. You can also find them on Twitter and Instagram at outdoorafro. Afro. All of the resources described can be found in the show notes page for this episode, which you can find at wildlensinc.org EOC160. If you enjoyed this episode of the show, please rate, review, and subscribe to the EOC podcast on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice. Our theme music is by The Humidors.